What's good, Chiefs Kingdom? We got another great episode coming at you guys today. We're going to do another position review. We got the linebackers and running backs today. Um, the Chiefs just completed their mandatory mini camp. So next step is training camp in St. Joe. It's going to be a good one. We are in the official dead spot of the offseason. So get ready, Chiefs Kingdom. Welcome to the Keem Connect podcast. This is a Kansas City Chiefs podcast. You're with your host, producer, Eric Depardis. You guys know who I am. I'm a health and performance trainer, and I'm certified with multiple specialties through general health and wellness. My training program is called Empowering Lifestyles, and you guys can find that via Facebook and Instagram. Again, that's Empowering Lifestyles, and we preach strong mind equals a strong body. Yep, we got a great episode today. We're recording this episode on Thursday, June 22nd. We are in the dead period of the offseason. Chiefs just got done with their mandatory minicamp, had the ring ceremony, uh, just a couple good things out there. Um, um, But we got another position review. We're going to go over the linebackers and running backs today. Um, We went over the defensive line and offensive line last time. Um, and, and it's just, you know, brief talk. It's it's nothing crazy. Obviously, you know, we got to get through training camp and um, because we don't know who who's actually going to be on the roster. And, you know, we we know the main starters, but then just like beyond that um, will kind of be a mystery in certain position, you know, groups. <clears throat> but um, before we get on with the episode, there was one there was a couple things that I wanted to talk about uh, that I had forgot to mention in the last position review. And it was, you know, kind of going over the defensive line a little bit. And it was about, uh, you know, just the fronts, you know, how they might align, you know, before going into sub packages. So um, we all know that Spags loves running a four three. So what that is, is, you know, you have your four down defensive linemen, you have three linebackers um, right back. So that's your that's your front seven right there. Um, and you know, we, they move the guys all around the defensive line. You know, you'll have, you know, DNs playing tackle and tackle playing DN. Um, and you know, Spags likes to get into his NASCAR, which is basically putting, you know, three, you know, four defensive ends down there. Usually it's three. And then you have Chris somewhere on the line, you know, he's your pass rushing tackle. So, um, you know, they're usually lining them a lot in different spots. And when they brought in Joe Colin, he came from a three, four system. Um, he ran mainly three, four, uh, uh, fronts, but I think they, uh, they utilize some of that, uh, because you, you kind of see, uh, when they kind of go into, uh, where you kind of have, it's like kind of a hole, uh, where you have your, your two tackles kind of playing a three tech essentially <clears throat> outside of the guard. And uh, you have your your edges, you know, standing up at like maybe, a, you know, at like a five or a wide nine. Um, and, you know, they're they're standing up into a two point stance because in, in today's game, defensive linemen are either if you're if you're a true edge guy, you're either going to play defensive end or you're going to play outside linebacker. It just depends on what scheme you are in. Like like, for example, Frank Clark. You know, he was a listed as defensive end here because we ran a four three. But since he's going over to Denver, since he's with Denver now and they run a three four, uh, he is now listed as an outside linebacker because they will have him probably standing up more than they will have his hand in the dirt. But um, it's really just about how they have about their feel and what they're comfortable with. And 
just based off the alignment of what stances they might play. Um, but the stand, but the fronts you'll see here in Kansas City are four threes, four two, um, and again our four three is our base. That's four uh, down defensive linemen and three linebackers. Now we usually are in sub packages more than often. Usually teams nowadays are in sub packages, which are nickel dime. Um, you know, usually running you know all sorts of coverages. Cover six is mainly run today. Uh, obviously cover two because, you know, it's zone, you know, zone defense is heavily used um, just because, you know, uh, we're trying to stop the pass and a lot of players, a lot of teams like to go deep nowadays too. So um, what was I going to say? So, yeah, I mean, you'll see us in a 4-2 uh, a lot with four down linemen and two linebackers. So basically they take that third linebacker out and replace them with a, a slot corner which is considered the nickel because that's your, usually your nickel or big nickel package, which we run heavily. That's like pretty much our main set. I mean, they'll run a lot of four, three in the beginning of the year, just because you feel like a lot of teams like try to run the ball more uh, kind of at that point, um, kind of get the, you know, running backs, you know, moving a little bit, get their legs running. So you're going to usually run your easier bases, uh, your base schemes out there, which is, you know, usually your your true base, which is our four three, either over or under, um, kind of how you have the outside linebacker aligned. Oh, more you can have them all stacked, but uh, typically the four two nickel is what we're in. Um, and then usually, and then you'll go into a four one, uh, which is uh, one linebacker, and you take another linebacker out and you replace them with like a third safety. Um, which is what usually Spags will do. He'll in his dime. He'll have four down defensive linemen, one linebacker, and uh, three corners with uh, which are two of the boundary and one's playing the nickel. And then you have three safeties uh, with two uh, two deep split. And then you'll have like that third safety that's kind of roaming around, usually in the box, or he'll kind of play out there in the slot. Uh, or just kind of just wherever he's he's needed in alignment, um, you know, they might even run like a true like a kind of a a funky cover three, um, depending on how they're aligning the safeties, um, if they want to run a, a single high into that. Um, and in college nowadays, uh, there's usually three down defensive linemen, and then they got like three linebackers out there and um, five defensive backs. And that's kind of a, a college, college uh, front uh, that's ran nowadays. You know, you don't really see the Chiefs. They will never run this. Now they've run where they've rushed three and dropped eight, but they they got they usually got a linebacker or two out there. Um, and uh, I think uh, that's kind of a quarters. If you're going to do like a modified cover four or even a quarter, quarter half, a cover six. So that's usually uh, what we'll do if we draw if we rushed three down defensive linemen. But uh, again, usually we still keep a linebacker or two out there. Uh, but again, that's I kind of wanted to go over that a little bit. I, I really didn't run into the, the fronts and how that you know it's kind of right. I'm not going to go into like you know how Spags runs the true alignments, but I just kind of want to go over the fronts. Um, so again, we run that four three, but we uh, as a base, but we're always in four two or four one. So, all right, so let's actually get on with uh, some of the news before we get on to the position review. 
Um, we're also going to do Mahomes' worst playoff loss. We're going to bre- uh, worst playoff loss. Uh, that's not what I wanted to do. Um, we're going to rank well my rankings, my rankings of what I consider from worst playoff loss to least worst playoff loss. Um, but before we get to that, let's uh, talk about a little bit of the team news. So again, the Chiefs had their private ring ceremony uh, just a week ago. Um, you know, guys were on the red carpet. Uh, some beat reporters were there asking a bunch of questions. Some guys were returning. Um, Brett Veach was talking, you know, of course, they asked him about Chris Jones. And, you know, he said, you know, hey, this is Chris Jones' jam. You know, I'm surprised. I would be surprised if he's not here already. This is his kind of thing. Well, uh, Chris Jones was not there. Um, apparently, you know, according to his Twitter post, he was sick. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take his word for it uh, just because I just I I mean, I, I, I don't want to feel like a player's lying. But, you know, at the end of the day, if he is, you know, that's his business. Um, and again, also, you know, maybe maybe he was told not to come. You know, there there could have been a possibility like, hey. You know, you can come because you're part of the team. We're not going to deny you, you know, if you really want to come. But at the same time, you know, we kind of want this to play out a little bit. We kind of want them to think there's some drama going on, even though there's not. And we also want them to avoid asking you questions because you we know that they will ask them questions. Or you know what? He could have very well been there. It was private, and they just made sure no cameras were on him whatsoever, and not one person made a peep. We'll never know. But according to his post, he said he was sick. Um, I'm not going to say it's good, or I'm not going to say it's bad. I still think Chris Jones is going to get his contract. I don't know why Chiefs fans are worrying. You know what I would love? I would love for Brett Veach just to go ahead and sign him on the exact same day that he signed him in 2020. The exact same day. And I want to say that was like, what, July? Um, shit. That was like July. Let me look that up real quick. Chris Jones. Okay, he signed that contract. Okay, well that looks like it's Ju- looks like it's July fourteenth, is what he's. Let me see if ESPN. Re- I remember seeing it on ESPN. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Yep, July 14th. Okay. So I would laugh if Brett Veach signed him July 14th of 2023. If he does that, I'm going to take both dates and put them exactly right next to each other and say, see, and y'all worried that a deal wouldn't get done. And you know what? Maybe Brett Veach wanted to be a little petty and, you know, freak the the kingdom out, you know, that we aren't going to sign our guy. Look, they're going to sign their superstars. They realize that if they remove Chris Jones, their defense, they don't have their engine. They don't have their motor that makes everybody go. Obviously, he's the guy, but he makes everybody go as well. Um, 
you know, they're, they're going to pay him. You know, they're going to pay him. They're going to pay guys like Nick Bolton because they want to keep, uh, you know, a linebacker there not having to rotate linebackers in and out. But, you know, I think, you know, they're going to get Chris Jones paid and he deserves it. You know, he's going to come right behind Aaron Donald. I don't know what deal that is. Um, I saw a post out there and, it, and, you know, an averaged amount to be like, what, 28. I think that's a little too much, but I, I think they're right in reality right now. They're trying to wait for Quentin Williams. He's the holdup. I, I said this last episode. It does not make any type of sense for Quentin Williams to sign after Chris Jones. Chris Jones is the best defensive tackle in the league outside of Aaron Donald. And in reality, he was way better than Aaron Donald last year. It like in the year, not in totality of a career or body of a uh, career body or overall body of work. I should say Um, it's, it was more of him, you know, balling out just for the, that, that year. And, you know, Quentin Williams had, you know, had good numbers, but he's not Chris Jones. So he's the one who's holding it up. If once he gets signed, then Chris Jones will get his number. I just hope that their their situation does not screw up our situation. You know, where they're like overpaying him, like, you know, paying Quentin Williams like 28, because then you're gonna have to pay Chris Jones exactly where Aaron Donald is or right under it or something like that. But I wouldn't play into um, him not being at the ring ceremony, guys. I think you guys, uh, some people were, rela- you know, tripping about it. I, I, I meant, I tweeted out. Um, I said uh, Chris Jones. I, I, I think I said I heard Chris Jones is not at the ring ceremony. Um, you know, I, I didn't make, you know, I didn't make, wasn't making a big deal out of it. I just said I heard that he wasn't. And there were some people commenting on it and saying that they, you know, kind of worried, but I wasn't. So, all right. Um, another thing that happened, um, was, uh, Pat responding to what we talked about in the last episode, Jamar chase. At least I think we talked about this in the last episode. Um, I I think we did. And, uh, that was when Jamar chase was asked because, Joe Joe Burrow was asked, hey, who do you think the best quarterback is? And he said, clearly, it's Pat until someone proves it otherwise. And when they asked Joe or Jamar Chase, hey, you know, who do you think, you know, the best quarterback is? Um, You know, it's Joe Burrow. No matter, you know, Joe Burrow, he's an MVP. He's like, oh, well, um, he's like, well, he said Pat. And then Joe, Jamar Chase responded, Pat who? And then, of course, the reporters laughed. Like, how is that funny? Like, that's not funny. Like, you guys are, are you guys just, I know you guys are Bengals beat reporters, but how is that funny? Like, it's, it, it, I feel like they're, everything about them, their, their fan base, their reporters, every, and I guarantee it's probably their staff too, and their, their coaching staff. It just, and, Everything about them, they just they carry themselves like they're just this high standard. Like <laughs> you guys haven't won shit. Yeah, you guys won one AFC championship. Yeah, and it happened to be against us in our in our home. But what happened the following year? We're all about recency. Yeah, you guys have won a couple of regular regular season games. Well, let's not act like you blew us out. And we're not we're not sitting here acting like we blew you guys out in the AFC Championship. We won. 
and then we took care of business in the bigger dance because that's what fucking matters at the end of the day. You could talk all this shit and say that, hey, you know, we won, you know, beat y'all in 2021, and that's cool and all, but guess what? It doesn't matter because you didn't get the bigger job done. You guys can flex those AFC championship rings all you want, but it doesn't matter because the bigger big the bigger picture is the Super Bowl. And Pat won his first Super Bowl. So it didn't matter. Any anything after that didn't matter. He won his first one. So getting to another one was just, hey, let's just try to, you know, win as, as many as we can. He got to another one the following year, came up short, and then got to another one, you know, two years later and won it all again. But for Jamar Chase to say, Pat, who? I mean, what did you think was going to happen? You think, you know, you, you, you think that we weren't going to respond? And, and Pat responded the best way that he possibly could. He put up, you know, like a, almost like a, I don't want to say like a call me sign, but it was like, you know, he put, you know, like a, almost like a made an L sign with his, his hands, you know, and, he, you know, was flashing both rings. And he put, that's who. Because that's what it is. That's fucking who. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's fucking who. You know, the the problem with, you know, the Bengals, man, they, they, they carry themselves like they're they're worthy. And let's just not act like y'all just y'all just got good. You know, I know that people kind of say the same thing about us. But it's been a consistency. The Bengals have done this for what? They've been consistent for they've been to the AFC championship two years. Just two years. Y'all make it to an AFC championship a third year in a row. I will start cons- and, and it's against us. I will start considering, okay, you know, they are a team that is now entering that realm of consistently good. Because people could have easily said the same thing about us after Mahomes won his first Super Bowl. You know, hey, they might not be the same, you know, winning, you know, he was good for two years, but obviously it didn't matter. We ended up going all the way back again. So I just think they're they're trying to embrace this villain role and they're not even worthy enough to be a villain, in my opinion. They aren't. Let's just not act like Mahomes didn't torch a Bengals team his first year, his first year starting beat the brakes off that Bengals team. Yeah, it was Carson uh, – or not Carson. Um, gosh, Andy Dalton was still uh, quarterbacking for him. But they had Joe Mixon. They had uh, Tyler Boyd. Um, they had Dunlap on their team. They still had some of those uh, old defenders, Geno Atkins. Um, but still, you know, Vontez Perfect. I, I think Vontez Perfect was still – he probably was. I think he was, you know, but, you know, the biggest thing is I just I know that, you know, people will say the Bengals are a rivalry, but I just I think I think the AFC in general is just our rival. Because if you think about it this way, just what, two years ago, two, three years ago, it was just the Bills. And now all of a sudden people were just saying now it's the Bengals. Or you know what? I, even, I can't even say that. I would say Mahomes. I would say Mahomes' first three years 
you know, 18, 19, and then maybe a little bit of 20, it was they were trying to make it a Lamar Jackson Mahomes rivalry and it just wasn't going to cut it. And and then then the Bills became it real quick. You know, we obviously played them in an AFC championship, blew them out, but they made it all the way there. We played them. And then obviously the 13 second game afterwards that happened that year. Um, and they had beat us in the regular season uh, earlier that year, too. So and that and then all of a sudden the Bills, they are, you know, where they're at. And, you know, now the Bengals, obviously, we've played them two years straight in the AFC Championship. So, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen? It, it could easily be another team that pops up. You know, we are the team that's consistently going to be good because we have the better quarter. We have the best quarterback in the league that and, and obviously the best head coach right now. So that's what's going to keep us consistently good. It's just going to come about who what next best team is going to come out of the AFC that's going to try to dethrone us. Um, is it going to stay consistently the Bengals or the Ravens going to try to come back up? I mean, who's it going to be? You know, I know the Titans tried to be it a little bit, but. You know, they play us good defensively for the most part, but we usually shut Derrick Henry down. I mean, he he's ran all over us before at times, but, you know, we've shut him down in, in the most important games, I should say. But fuck the Bengals. And, you know, and Petty Pat said that's who. Fuck Cincinnati. And I cannot wait for New Year's. I just cannot wait for New Year's. That's gonna be, it's gonna be a game. I can't wait to see that. You you know, and obviously, if you guys listen to New Heights, Travis brought it up, um, and he said, "Hey, look, you know, if you want to talk your shit, talk your shit, pimp. But you know, you better back it up." And Jamar, Jamar, of course, shared it and said, "Oh yeah, all right, you know, I'm embracing this villain role." And it's just their team, their fans, everything about them is is just, they're just in a big delusion, a big delusion. If y'all would have won your guys's first Super Bowl, making it there, y'all would have won that. I wouldn't even be making this episode right now. I would have shut the fuck. I would have shut the fuck up a long time ago. But that's not the case. Y'all didn't win y'all first Super Bowl. And somebody needs to tell that to Zim Who Day. Zim Who Day. I don't even know why I'm giving this dude clout on my podcast, but you know what? Fuck him. I don't even know what the fuck name is Zim. If your name is Zim, you're disqualified. Very much so disqualified, bud. You're probably a fucking fake-ass Bengals fan. You probably just became a Bengals fan within recent years, you know? You, you sound like you you act like you're part of the team, like you know shit about the team, like you're an insider and shit. Like, you ain't shit, dog. Stop acting like you're above everybody, bruh. You ain't. And this is my podcast. I can talk all the shit I want. So, again, fuck you, Zim. <clears throat> and the Bengals are bitch-made, just like you, Zim. All right. Um, moving on, uh, all right. Um, one, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about that I didn't talk about last week with the offensive line and that was, um, contract stuff. 
Uh, one guy I want to talk about is Joe Tooney. Obviously, I love Joe Tooney. He is a machine for the team. Uh, I think a lot of players, you know, a lot of players respect Joe Tooney. He's been one of those, you know, guys that's been kind of an underrated guard, but a consistently, you know, really, really great, really great player. Ah, God, I'm getting talking ahead of myself. Joe Tooney, he was, you know, a really good, consistent guard, you know, in the league for a while. Played played in New England, won a couple championships with them. All pro uh, offensive guard, uh, two times second team off uh, all pro, I should say. Um, and he's he's been a big factor, especially for Creed Humphrey and obviously Trey Smith. That that interior line is what makes this offensive line extremely good. Um, now, obviously, ho- the, the, with the hopes of uh, Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith at tackle, hopefully those guys um, playing alongside of Smith and Joe, uh, it, it just solidifies and makes this offensive line extremely dominant this year. Um, and I know people think that Joe Tooney's probably going to be gone after this year uh, just because there is a potential out for the 2024 season. And – you know, that that very well could be true. He very well could be, you know, out of here just because of his contract. I did look out of it. it look at it. It is a high cap hit. And um, as far as like the money, but the, the dead cap is not it's not as bad as it is that it would be this year if they were to cut him this year. But you know what? He can come back and say, hey, you know what? I will take a pay cut. I can see a situation where um that uh, Brett Veach made, you know, do that for him where they did for Frank Clark. Uh, they, you know, restructured his contract, allowed him to come back and play for, for that fourth year, even though they both have fi- uh, f- signed a five-year contract and Frank didn't really get to fulfill that fifth year, essentially. Hopefully Joe would, because I just would like to, I would like to keep Joe here as long as possible. Um, but it just kind of depends on where his mindset is. If he's, you know, hey, I want to stay getting paid the same amount or I want to stay in a winning organization um, and why not, you know, stay in this this winning window. You know, I think it was you know, people say, you know, well, why couldn't he stay in New England? Well, why would if he, you know, they weren't going to pay him. And two, Tom Brady was retired or Tom Brady moved on. He wasn't going to go. Th- I don't think he wanted to go after 2020, that 2020 franchise tag season for him. Uh, I don't think he wanted to go through, you know, a, a losing season like that again, because I don't even, I don't even think they made the playoffs in 2020. Um, and if they did, I, I'm a, I apologize. I know they did in 21 and they got they got smoked by the Bills and the, the, the wild card round. But um I definitely think uh, it was just a no-brainer for him to sign somewhere else, and I'm glad that he signed here, and he's been nothing but amazing, and I'm glad that he was able to add another ring to his, his shelf. Um, I did I did. was listening to his podcast. I can't remember what it was. I think it was uh, Red, Gold, and Bold with uh, Jeff Shadia and Saran Petro, Eric Eager, and they said that Joe Tooney's probably one of the worst guys to – bring up to the the podium for uh, the presser just because he just doesn't say much and that's just what he is he he just seems like that guy that just just keeps to himself a lot and just plays hard and that's what you want and i i hope they can keep him here as long as possible um and and one more thought on the the left and right tackle i i you know i i, I said this before 
I, you know, when they drafted Wanya Morris, you know, he, the, the idea was, Hey, he will be, you know, people said, Hey, he's going to be the right tackle because they signed Juwan Taylor to be the left tackle um, because of the contract. And then out of left field, they, they signed Donovan Smith who has played left tackles whole career and then it was said that he was coming here to be the starting left tackle and Juwan Taylor, the starting right tackle. And then people threw a conniption fit because of the contract with Juwan Taylor. And although that, you know, hey, it's kind of it is very high market right tackle money. Um, it, it's it's one of those things that, hey, I said this. What if they wanted to prematurely play a right tackle? a good right tackle instead of moving him over to the left side and experimenting with that will draft will draft a young left tackle um and i know wanya morris played right tackle at oklahoma and i and maybe he played a little bit at, at tennessee i can't remember um he played left tackle early in earlier in his career at tennessee uh, and that was next to trey smith when trey smith played left guard um, and Wanye played left tackle. And as of right now, they have him backing up Donovan Smith as the uh, second string left tackle. Um, and that's that's kind of been it, you know? You know, and that's, you know, that kind of confused people. But I said that. I said that. What if they pre- wanted to prematurely pay a, a, a decent right tackle that they value very much Pay him high dollar because in two years, that's where the contract's going to be anyways for right tackles. And then you already drafted a left tackle that's young and he's on a cheap contract for three, four years and you ain't got to pay the guy. So that that would you know, that was my whole take. I think that might happen. I think the reason why they brought in Donovan Smith, because they want a veteran to kind of be in that presence to kind of teach that young left tackle to like teach him the ways and be here. You know, you want a vet in there, you know, and, he, and Donovan only signed a one year deal. So it, it makes all the sense in the world. What's good chiefs kingdom. If you guys like this podcast and like what you're listening to, I want you guys to go ahead and give it a five star rating and a good review. You can find this podcast on all your major audio platforms, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, You guys can go ahead and follow the podcast only on Instagram, and that's at Kingdom Connect. And then you guys can follow me personally on Instagram and Twitter at Big EKC. That's Big EKC. And like I said, go ahead and give this podcast a five-star rating and a really great review. I appreciate you all. So, yeah, they like I said, they probably wanted to prematurely pay uh, the right tackle um, because they knew where the market was going to be in a few years. And then you have your left tackle for the future. And Wanya Morris um, after the after Donovan Smith moves on after this year. So it just makes all the sense in the world. All right. um, Another thing that uh, has been talked about, uh, which is DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, you know, a lot of Chiefs fans were, were in on him. I was kind of in on him. Hopefully, you know, they were going to try to, you know, land a superstar like that. Um, but according to Albert Breer, um, they, the Kansas City Chiefs were on DeAndre Hopkins, 
Uh, but once the, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. signed that contract with the Baltimore Ravens, they completely um, knew that they were kind of out on that. So they went ahead and gave the money to Donovan Smith. Um, so, hey, you know, that, you know, makes all the sense in the world why, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins isn't signed yet. Um, he may not sign until close to the training camp just because, you know, he doesn't really need to go to training camp like that. Um, but what's been told is they, they love Rice. Um, they're loving what they're getting from Rice. And if, if, if it's being said consistently, I, I hope that it comes to fruition that, you know what, we may see a situation where a rookie wide receiver does not get held back as much as we've seen in the past. But I could be wrong. I'm not going to put it past Andy of what he's done and what he's been doing since he's been at least a head coach here in Kansas City. All right. Um, what else? What else? What else? Um, oh, I forgot one more thing I wanted I wanted to say. Um, I keep going back to the offensive line talk. Um if they do decide to move on from Joe Tooney, I can see a situation where they ask Trey Smith, hey, how about you go over the left guard? We'll end up paying you a left guard, good left guard contract, and then we'll 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 put Darren Kennard at the right guard uh position and then he'll play alongside uh um uh, Jawan Taylor and then uh Trey Smith will play alongside of Wanye Morris, uh, like they did at Tennessee when they played left guard and left tackle together. So you know, again, you hope that Wanya Morris learns that left tackle spot and hopefully he could be our young left tackle for the future. All right. All right. Now, finally, let's move on to the offensive line um, because we are doing still doing a linebacker and running back position review. Um, there has been uh, there's been a trailer of that new show, the quarterback show that's coming out on Netflix. Uh, it's going to star uh, our quarterback, 15, Patrick Mahomes, Marcus Mariota, and Kirk Cousins. I don't know if I had talked about that in the last episode, but I'm extremely excited for that. It's just kind of going in the background, uh, deep talks of what, what the quarterbacks go through throughout the season. Very personal, um, you know, explicit. They, you know, it's not PR'd um, at all. I don't, at least I don't think. Um, even though Pat said that he tried to edit as much as he could, but you know, he does show his personality in there. You know, we, we, we take a deeper dive in what these guys actually have to go through. I think, um, this is good because I think we sometimes tend to forget that they're human, um, and that they're people too, and that they, they have to make life life choices every day, just like we do. And they have to get up out of bed, just like we do, um, you know, yes, they they may be living a dream and we're, you know, may not be living so much of that dream of dream that we wanted. But we all essentially have to get up and do the same thing. So um, it's it kind of goes into that detail. And I, I'm extremely excited for that. Not excited for Kirk. Uh, actually, I'm really you know what? I, I might be really interested in how Kirk things go with Kirk. But Mariota that that I don't really I don't really care about Marcus Mariota like that. So. I don't know how that that's going to flow. All right. Um, before we get into the position review, like I said, I wanted to talk about uh, our rank, uh, what I consider uh, the worst playoff loss to um, the least worst playoff loss. In my opinion, these are not, you know, facts. I'm trying to say our facts out there. These are just my personal views, my personal opinion. 
Number one, I think, was uh, obviously 2021. Now, people might say, why didn't you put the Super Bowl at number one? I will explain why I didn't put the Super Bowl there in a minute. But the reason why I have 2021 there at number one was because we had that game. That was our game. We threw that game away. It was a heartbreaker, the reason why we did it. And I think if that would have never happened, if we would have went to four straight Super Bowls, um, you know, by going to a third one in that period, from that period, none of this would have happened with the Bengals and starting this whole essential rivalry in quotations or whatever they want to call it. Um, it, you, uh, what was I going to say? It would have never started this. And that's my personal opinion. Um, and I think we just gave that game to them. We literally handed that game over to them and said, you know what? We don't want to try anymore. And that's and went to overtime and lost by three points, which has basically been every game. It's been over, you know, within overtime and lost in three points or, you know, whatever. Um, we should have won that game. So that's why I think I consider it, in my personal opinion, the, the, the first worst the first worst playoff game for Mahomes. And again, he played bad in the second half. He played very bad in the second half. And he he admits that. And we all know because we all saw it. Um, number two, 2018. And the first AFC championship, just because we should have won that game. And an offside penalty. Granted, I'm not trying to complain about the refs. It is what it is. You, you made the penalty. Um, you know what? But we had plenty of opportunity uh, to try to stop them. And over time, we just couldn't because the defense was the worst thing on planet um and it prevented from Mahomes going to what could have been um uh, essentially would have been five super bowls if if he would have won both af both of his afc champion those afc championship losses that he does have on his record um so yeah i got both afc championship you know games uh back to back at one and two uh just because i feel like those games like the dynamic of them and like outside of the dynamic of them, those could have easily been won. Um, and you know, I, I can't put the Super Bowl there because the Super Bowl was not in within reach. And I, once that game got out of hand and it was ugly and it still pains me to this day because Mahomes could be having three rings on his finger at least. And he could be, you know, we could be throwing in Tom Brady stands that, you know, hey, you know, Tom Brady may have beaten him in an AFC championship, but Pat beat him in a Super Bowl, and that's what matters the most. But we can't say that because Pat has lost both times. Um, unfortunately, even though the quarterbacks don't generally face each other, like on a personal level, they are going against both of each other's defenses, um, but just the quarterback head-to-head matchup essentially and – uh, again, we were we were not within the reach, and and Pat played phenomenal in that. It, it, like as far as like I wouldn't say numbers, like his numbers were, you know, he did throw for like over three hundred yards, but it just was like it just was scrap yards, you know, whatever he could get because people weren't getting open, uh, guys couldn't catch, um, and obviously the, the the biggest thing that that night there was no there was no offensive line to be to be found. And it, and it was painful to watch, but I, I can't rank that number one and number two because I'm really basing it off of like the dynamic, how close the game was, 
what what sh- what could have really happened. Um, I don't think any quarterback would have survived the 2020 you know Super Bowl with no offensive line. You you just don't. Quarterbacks don't survive without a lick of blocking. Bengals fans should know that because their quarterback suffered a lot from so many sacks uh, because they didn't have an offensive line. But that's that's just what it is. Um, so, yeah, that's what I rank. I rank 2021 uh, playoff loss at number one, the 2018 playoff loss at number two, and then the 2020 playoff loss at number three. Um, and that's what Mahomes has. I mean, his worst playoff loss in his career in, is, is, a, is an overtime loss by three points in an AFC championship. It's what it is. It literally – that's literally what it is. Well, at least with the Bengals, I can't – Oh, excuse me. I don't. I don't remember what the score was for the AFC Championship, but it it's lost in overtime in an AFC Championship, I should say. All right. So um, the main thing of the show of what we've been, you know, we all been waiting for, and that's position review. We've all been wanting to get to that. Um, we're going to start with the running backs. This should be a short segment on them because it's not a big group. Um, again, I'm using our lads um, as the 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 depth chart reference for uh, the current players that they have right now, what they're going to go into with uh, at least right now into the training camp. Um, let's see. Right, was running backs? Okay, obviously our star is Isaiah Pacheco, but um, he has not practiced at all this off season because of his two off season surgeries on his hand, or I believe and his labrum um and you know those are pretty two extensive surgeries so you know hopefully he can recover get ready by training camp or at least be ready by week one or sometime in the preseason um but i think uh it, it was it was well known i mean once he said it and he came in and started showing it and we started saying it it was gonna be known that he was gonna be the starter at some point and this goes to show you that Brett Veach knew it. He said there was going to be a, there was going to be a thousand yard running back coming out in the seventh round. Who knows if he was talking about Pacheco? But we did draft a running back in the seventh round. Now he didn't get a thousand yards. He got eight hundred and thirty. But you know what? If he would have been the starter for like the first like what three weeks, you know he would have most likely been a thousand yard uh, running back. In my personal opinion. Um, but let's just hope you know he can continue um, his momentum um, going into his sophomore year. I do love me some Pacheco. Um, now you got McKinnon, bringing McKinnon back. Uh, we all we all wanted it. That was a guy that we all clanned for in the offseason to bring back. Um, he said he wanted to come back. There were a few teams that offered him something, but you know he knew where his heart was. And I, I think this is going to be his last year. I, I think if regardless of what happens, Super Bowl, no Super Bowl, I think he he's done everything that he's wanted to do as far as like, you know, what most players at that age, you know, kind of say, you know, I want to at least get, you know, get, go out a champion. Um, if they haven't got to that point, you know, if they've accumulated the money but haven't won a championship yet, a lot of them start going for the rings. You know, at least you hope at that point, and Jarek did, and we we did. We won, and we got him that championship. Same with uh, Dunlap, that that guy, um, getting him his, you know, helping him complete his goals with pl- playoff win, first playoff win, getting to Super Bowl, win Super Bowl, and then 100 sacks. But um, Jarrett McKinnon, I'm glad they brought him back. His blocking is his his blocking is a one, and they they needed him for that um, to show the young guys, 
keep the young guys on their feet. Um, um, just because he said, hey, if you if you want to be a running back that lasts long in this league, you better learn how to pass protect because they value that a lot. All right. Um, at uh, And also McKinnon, he accumulated for like, what, nine, ten touchdowns last year. That That's a lot of production. That's that is a lot of production. You need that. He is deadly in the past game. They use a lot of them in screens. Um, he's a good improviser with Mahomes, so you, you just you 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 need a guy like Jared McKinnon back, and he made the greatest the greatest play in the Super Bowl, uh, in my opinion, um, or at least the one to steal the game, or at least help us steal the game. All right, uh, third string, um, we know Clyde Edwards Alaire. I'm not trying to say it like that, but um, the guy he he kind of knows that his day is his days are numbered. Um, I. I I don't know if they're going to still try to move him or they'll just, you know, roll with him this the year because he knows the system. Um, I think there was some shit. I think there was some um, hurt. I, I think, you know, being told that he could possibly play in the Super Bowl and then going into the locker room and not seeing a jersey in his locker, that hurts. You know, that does. I, you know, that, that really does. You know, I don't know the feeling because I've never been put in that position, but I can only imagine how that would make a person feel. Um, especially if you you practice all week, you felt great, you did what you needed to do to help the team get ready for the game. But when I hear you know you saying that they had you play practice or practice squad or scout team, this guy, I, I'm not saying that you know. At least I don't know how it is in the pros, but in high school, you know, at least you know in that level. Um, if you if you played if you played uh, and even in college, I've seen this in college too. You know, if you're on pra- if you're playing practice squad, if you're a starter, if you're a general starter, or you know, even if you're a second string, but you get like a lot of snaps, you know, they're not gonna put you at practice squad or practice squad scout team. They're not gonna make you do that. They make third string and beyond guys do that, and that you know, and yeah, he is listed at third string, so it makes sense. But that just goes to show me that, man, I don't think they I don't think they had the intentions at all to ever suit you in the game. I think they knew who they wanted to roll with. And that was 10 and number 10 and number one. And that's nothing in CEH. I I generally like the guy. I think he's a good dude. Um, I just think that, you know, the first round, that first round killed him. That first round pick killed him. You know, he was not worth that draft pick. You know, especially with what he's shown, you know, just not being able to stay healthy. And um, and yeah, and I think there's a little bit of saltiness there. You know, that's why he missed uh, the White House. Um, He didn't miss the ring ceremony. I know that a lot of people thought he did, but there was a picture that Kadarius Tony posted and he was there. Um, But you know what? Maybe Clyde, he he might come in, you know, play hard and he, you know, might get some good production this year just to kind of, you know, show off and you know so he can have a a good resume to go into free agency uh this coming season or i should say after this coming season um and then as and then right now at fourth string you have a generic prince um this guy's been talked a lot talked a lot right now um especially by dave tobe uh he could be very well that punt returner um and i would not be shocked by that he is built 
just kind of like Pacheco, kind of like that Nile Davis build, uh, just like Dave Tobe was talking about. And we need a guy right back there to play kick return. And why not have a guy like that? Because now Davis was good at kick return. I'm not saying Denerick Prince is going to be like him. I'm not even saying Denerick Prince is going to make the team. But if they're talking about him the way they are, I can definitely see him making the team and being your starting kick returner. That would be nice. Um, and then we have LaMichael P. Ryan uh, at number five. Um, I... He came from San Francisco, it looks like. Yes. Um, yeah, that's what, that's what it looks like. It looks like he came from San Francisco. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know too much about LaMichael P. Ryan, but, you know, I heard I heard a little bit of him, but not a whole lot. Uh, just can't body. He most likely is not going to make the roster, but, you know, he's listed at your fifth string, so. Um, but your two main guys that we're going to have to look for, number 10, Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. Those are going to be your two top guys uh, going into the year. Um, and, I, you know, and you're going to get a sprinkle of Clyde too. So um, I'm really excited for the running back room, although I just I, it, 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 I just hope it does not hurt them losing Eric Bieniemy just because Eric Bieniemy is a running back at heart, even though he was the OC here. He usually, you know, but he paid close attention to the running backs and made sure that they were on their shit. And you know what? They don't have Greg Lewis no more. I forget who the running backs coach is now. I know I listed the coaches off a few episodes ago, but, um, yeah, I mean, everything should be good. I'm still excited for the room. All right, so let's go over to the linebackers, my favorite position, the position I played mostly growing up. Um, it's It's just a fun position. Being able to call the defense, man the defense, um, just, just knowing what to do out there. It, it, it's nice. I, I really, really like it. Um, and you know, you're just, you're in every play, you know, especially if you, you have a knack of, uh, just reading, reading plays and being able to get to the ball. Um, and I didn't notice this last, uh, time, you know, they have our nickel starting, uh, nickel packages because what's what we're in a lot. Um, because they are uh, a nickel position out there, and they have McDuffie as our starting nickel, which tells me that they, you know, when we when we did start in the Super Bowl, you did see McDuffie play in the slot, um, and you know he was playing a little bit of the slot, and um, he was playing a little bit of the slot, and uh, in the uh, the the postseason in general. Um, they might keep them there just be in, in nickel and and like big nickel and stuff like that. And they might put Sneed there in dime because they run a lot of their blitzes, their blitz packages in dime. Um, and you like to have Sneed coming off the edge. So, you know, you'll have him more lined up in the nickel spot. And they'll probably put McDuffie back on the outside because if, if McDuffie was a still just a true nickel and that's all he played, um, I again, they might people might start complaining like, hey, did you really need to sink a first rounder in him? But McDuffie is is he's a one of a kind. He can play inside and outside. He is a he's going to be a dominant quarter moving forward. I'm really excited for him. I don't even know why I started talking about him because we're, we're supposed to be on the linebackers. I just wanted to talk about that because I just I just noticed that they had our nickel package listed as our, our in the depth chart. All right, so linebackers, um, they have the Will and the Mike uh, starting linebackers, which is basically those two linebackers in the 4-2 nickel, big nickel. 
um, the Will and Mike, and Nick Bolton is the Mike linebacker, and Willie Gay is the Will linebacker. Usually your Will linebackers are more athletic, um, and your Sams are kind of your, your bigger guy, your bigger body linebackers. Um, although you still ask your Sams to cover like tight ends and stuff like that, but you might, you know, line them up more uh, closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, but we'll run more two linebacker sets, um, and that'll be Willie Gay and Nick Bolton as your starters. I know people think, I know people think that, that Drew Tranquil is a testament to Willie Gay. I don't think that's what it is. I think that they realize like, hey, we know the strengths of our linebackers and what they are capable of doing, and we want a guy that is going to be a lot better in man cover or in uh, deep zone coverages, um, and that's because we know that that's not Nick and Willie. So we're going to put we're going to keep Nick and Willie for our rundowns on first and second down, and then when we get to third down and we are in dime and we have just one linebacker out there, we will give the green dot to Drew Tranquil and let him be our coverage linebacker out there. And then you'll have a, a dose of uh, Leo Chanel, who will mainly play your Sam because he is a bigger body uh, linebacker, uh, but they will have a lot of uh, packages where they might line him up close to the line of scrimmage where he's playing more of an edge rusher or like overhang, um, overhang edge defender, um, and you saw that so, at some place too. And he, he was setting an edge very well. And I, I'm excited, uh, to see how they rotate these linebackers. Um, I think the main four guys will be Drew, uh, Leo, Nick, and Willie. Those will be the four main guys. There will be a fifth linebacker just because of special teams. Um, and they'll have two, they'll have two of the linebackers playing special teams, and the other three guys will mainly play. Uh, like Leo will be a mainly will be a special teams guy, but he will get will get defensive snaps. But a guy like Jack Cochran, he, like last year, he was just special teams only. He didn't get defensive snaps. Um, but like I said, I I, I think they they want to keep Willie and Nick um, on first and second down, um, and then you bring in Drew and Leo on on certain spots uh, too. And Drew's going to add that that covered that good coverage ability. Um, and, uh, Leo will add the, just that, you know, bigger body when you're trying to stop the run. Um, and then William, Willie, like Willie Gay and Nick Bolton are your, just your two main backers. Um, and then further down the depth chart, like I said, we have Jack Cochran. He's mainly going to be your special teamer. Uh, but I think a guy who's going to battle with that is going to be Cam Jones. I think, I think Cam Jones is a guy who um, has made a lot of no noise. He's that linebacker, undrafted linebacker from Indiana. Um, he could make the team. He could give Jack Cochran a run for his money. It just kind of depends on who wants it more. Um, and then we got guys like Isaiah Moore and uh, Cole Christensen, uh, just guys that are going to make the 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 team just to go into training camp. But then you know they'll be they'll be just camp casualties, and that's just what it is. Uh, just got to have these guys at this depth just going into camp. So, um, yeah, I just I, – I, you know, I'm really excited about the linebacker core. I, I think I've been saying that. That's probably the most – that's probably the group that I'm mostly excited for this year. I think last year it was – it could have been the secondary because of, like, just how young they were. But the linebackers this year are – I'm extremely excited for them just because – uh, the the addition of Drew Tranquil and it not being a testament to the other players here, but just adding an element that we just don't have 
Um, because let's be honest, Drew, Drew, Drew Tranquil's not, he's not all that against the run. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, he has a whole bunch of tackles, but let's be honest, a lot of these tackles also were made out in space, um, you know, just in coverage. You know, he, he's not a bigger guy, you know, as far as like, you know, built wise, not saying he's not good at playing, you know, run, but he's just not, he's not as good as Nick and Willie. That's why I think they will, they, they real value those guys still on first and second down. And Willie is a good blitzer, really good blitzer. And so is Drew. So what if you have a situation where, you know, you have Drew and let's just say you're running, you're running a four, three, or you're right. You got your four, three base out there. Um, and you, you may have like a situation where Nick's in the middle and then there's like a blitz where you have both, uh, Willie and, um, Drew coming off the edge, like a, kind of like a, like a, like a shotgun blitz or like a, just a true outside linebacker blitz or something like that. That, that'd be sick. I can see a situation like that. I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, spitballing here, but. All right. Uh, that's kind of all I have, uh, for the linebackers. Um. Uh, by the way, I got a Nick Bolton jersey this uh, off season. Uh, it was uh, the it was a red version of the Super this year's Super Bowl jersey. I as so as of now for this year's Super Bowl, I got a white Chris Jones, a white Patrick Mahomes, a white Travis Kelsey. So there are three main guys, and then I ended up getting a red a Nick Bolton. Don't ask me why I got red. Um, I just wanted to get a different color, see what it looked like in red. Um, I don't, I don't think it, I mean, as far as like the, with the logo, the Super Bowl logo, I'm glad we were white jerseys because the Super Bowl logo, our Super Bowl, lo- the logo goes so much better with our white jerseys as far as that goes. Now, I think the Super Bowl logo looks good on the green, um, Eagles jerseys too, but it looks really good on our white jerseys. Um, really not much NFL news outside of our stuff that I want to talk about. Um, you know, you got just because um, it, it's just it's just it's just a boring offseason. You just hope the guys don't get in trouble, stay out of trouble, you know, you know, keep, you know, keep things good until training camp. Um, there's one guy that did get in trouble, and that's Tyree Kill, of course. Um, who would have thought? Um Another kind of assault situation. I guess the guy is now officially coming out when the press charges. Um, I'm not going to go into full details, but I mean, it's one of those things where it's just not our problem anymore. It's Miami Dolphins' problem now. Um, again, thank you, Cheetah, for your Super Bowl uh, contributions. You'll you have your ring that you'll be able to dwell on for the rest of your life. Um, you got your money, but uh, you just continue to make silly mistakes, dude. And I just don't know why. But you know, again. Not the Kansas City Chiefs problem, the Miami Dolphins problem right now. Um, and another problem is the Buffalo Bills are having with Stephon Diggs because he is not happy either. And a lot of – he gave up some money to get uh, to get DeAndre Hopkins, and that didn't happen. So, yeah, don't know what's going to happen with all that situation going there too. So, all right, just looking at my notes to see if there's anything else I need to talk about before we get out of here because we need to get out of here. So, Oh, no. I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, we did our linebacker running back position review. We kind of talked a little bit about the defensive sub-package and sub-package fronts. Um, and then, you know, at the same time, we did oh, – I was going to say uh, – we did um, the rank the the Mahomes' worst playoff loss to least worst playoff loss, and we just kind of talked about some team news and 
uh, just some good stuff before we get into the training camp that's coming up. So, all right, Chiefs Kingdom, uh, until next time, with that being said, connect is always real.